If you'd like to turn in your Bibles to uh, Revelation chapter 8, we will be there momentarily. Again, I, I do appreciate many of you have come up to me and how was the vacation? It was wonderful. We had safety. It was great. It was restful. I know many of you have been praying for us. And I just want to say a big thank you because it's, uh, it is always great to get away and it is always great to come back, isn't it? I just... Especially when you finally get on 17 or 86 or whatever, and yep, Almond is just down the way, Almond and Alfred. Oh, I let it slip, I know, I haven't been here long enough. It's, it's Almond, you don't call it like the nut. The nut is Almond, okay? All right, yeah, for you, for you Almondites. <laughs> now, we drove, so the part of the illustration I'm using wasn't happening today, but one of the things I enjoy when I have to get on a plane Especially, I remember uh, LAX when we flew out to Los Angeles for a Shepherds Conference years ago. <clears throat> is as you're coming in to the big city, and just being able to see, you know, the cul-de-sacs and the rivers and the layout of the land and the mountains in the background. And if you if it's early in the morning, maybe the sun is coming up, or if it's late at night and it's just light, it's just phenomenal, right? Because you're so far up in the air thousands of feet, and you're coming down. Well, what I thought we would do today is, first of all, give you a, uh, maybe a 20,000 feet foot uh, overview of where we've been, because I was looking up in my notes, the last time I preached on Revelation was December 6, 2015, it's been a long time. We've done this, that, and the other thing, and now we're back into Revelation, but I think we need to kind of set the, uh, the big picture, otherwise you may lose yourself. I'm like, where exactly are we in the tribulation? Because we are in the tribulation. Now, I don't mean we are, but um, in the book. But again, we've got to find uh, our location. And what I did in your outline is I just put down tribulation uh, beginning, middle, end, you know, thereabouts. You might want to take your outline out. Um, I had to do this before I left for vacation, so it's perhaps not as complete as it normally would be, but it kind of gives you the sketch. But again, let's, let's, let's get an overview, 30,000-foot uh, overview of, of where we are. And let me just paint it out as far as the, the tribulation. Now, again, we remember, you remember with me that we, uh, we know that the Bible speaks of a, a seven-year tribulation. It's the 70th week of Daniel. Again, it's going to last for seven years. Um, the beginning of the tribulation has already happened by the time we get to Revelation chapter 8. Uh, again, the, at the very, very beginning of the seven-year tribulation, the Antichrist signs a covenant with Israel, bringing peace to Israel and Jerusalem. You see that in Daniel 9, verse 27, and we see a hint of that also in uh, Revelation chapter 6. Uh, the Jewish temple in Jerusalem is rebuilt. By the time the uh, uh, tribulation begins, the, the, uh, the um, tribulation temple has been rebuilt or is being built just at the very, very beginning. And the Roman Empire has emerged as a ten-nation federation. We get that out of Daniel. But I just want you to kind of get the big picture. A lot of things are happening in Israel at the very beginning of the tribulation period. Again, as we enter into the first half of the three and a half years, and again, the tribulation, I don't have this up, but the tribulation is seven years long, but you can split it right in the half because there's a lot of reference to uh, the last 42 months, the last 1,260 days, the last three and a half years. So we know that the tribulation itself is split. Uh, seven years 
three and a half years, three and a half years. As that first three and a half years transpire, that's where you find the seven seal judgments beginning to be opened, and we saw them in chapter 6, okay? That's also where the 144,000 are saved. Now remember, the rapture of the church, now all of a sudden there's a moment of time that in this world there is no witness other than well, the, the angel. It talks about an angel preaching the eternal gospel. But again, all believers are out of this world. Now, immediately, apparently, there's a great... Um, because of seeds planted before the tribulation, many get immediately saved, and I believe the 144,000 are saved at the very beginning of that first three and a half years. So they're saved. They're not sealed yet. They're saved. And that's also where you get right at the end of the, <coughs> excuse me, three and a half. Somewhere in there is where the, the um, Gog and Magog, the, the war of Gog and Magog, which is basically the northern uh, army, that's when that happens. Gog and Magog, by the way, that battle is different from Armageddon. There's two different. And if so, you could, a Gog coalition. We haven't taught on this out of Ezekiel, but if you, oh, that was good. <laughs> but if you go down Rosh, Magog, Meshach, Tubal, these are, the, these are the actual countries right now. Russia, Turkey, Iran, Sudan. Okay, now you start saying, well, you say, they, those people are starting to work together. Um, hmm, I wonder if we're close to the end. But that's, it's in the first three and a half years that, that the, the war happens, Gog and Magog. Again, different from Armageddon, which is at the end of the tribulation. So that's the first half, okay? That's the first half of the seven years, three and a half years. Then you hit the midpoint. Now, at the midpoint, according to Daniel 9.27, Antichrist, Antichrist uh, breaks the covenant with Israel. Okay, so there's been peace. All of a sudden, he breaks the covenant. He begins to consolidate his empire. By the way, he's able to do that. He gets a lot more power because when those countries of Russia, Sudan, Iran are destroyed supernaturally by God, there's a, there's a vacuum created. Power vacuum, right? I mean, in other words, now Antichrist with his coalition can come in and start gobbling up pieces right around Israel. Makes perfect sense. Again, while in North Africa, the Antichrist hears disturbing news of an insurrection in Israel, it's at that time apparently Israel tries to get out from underneath uh, Antichrist, and he comes back, and it's at, the, it, it's at the very center of the tribulation point that the abomination of desolation uh, is placed in the temple, and it's an image, basically he says, and I, it's an image of himself, Antichrist, and he wants the Jewish people, just like Antichrist, to worship it, okay? Now, do you see what's happened? Uh, Gog and Magog, army, destruction, they're destroyed, or a lot of their armies are destroyed. There's a vacuum of power. It, uh, Antichrist comes in, he starts gobbling up, but then as he's out gobbling up other pieces that have just been, you know, destroyed, I mean, for himself, he hears of insurrection, he apparently comes back, and that's when the abomination of desolation happens. And you can read about that, again, Daniel 9, 27, 11, 45. So all these things are happening. And at the same time, when Antichrist uh, appears to have been killed, (laughs) 
Because it talks about in uh, Revelation 13 that like new life, like something happened. Most likely he wasn't literally killed. I've heard, I've read different, different commentators. Most likely it's that he is the great deceiver. But anyways, he is going to come to life. And when he comes to life, even if, again, uh, a presumed dad didn't come to life, now everybody looks to him like he is God. Right? Proves the point, at least to an unsaved man. So all these things are happening right at the very middle of the, the tribulation. And it's at the middle point there that I believe, right after the, the three and a half years, that the, the 144,000 witnesses that have been saved are now become sealed. Because it's in the second half that you have the um, uh, Antichrist, that, the mark of the beast. So when you so you, in this world you'll have the mark of the beast to those who are unsaved, but you also have God's witnesses, the hundred forty-four thousand that are also sealed. And now, why? Now that makes perfect sense because again, in, they lived this life for three and a half years on this earth. These hundred forty-four thousand men, uh, male Jews, they're the hundred forty-four thousand witnesses, but they're also establishing their witness. But now at the, when, when Antichrist says you must worship the idol that's in the temple found right in Jerusalem, that's when God seals them, and we've looked at that already. That's also where you find the two witnesses. Remember the two witnesses, two olive branches? And they actually do die, and they're, they're in, the, in the city, and they actually uh, give presents to each other when the two witnesses die. The world hates them so much that when they finally kill the witnesses... They kind of have to throw a party and give presents to each other. Oh, thankfully they're dead. (laughs) That's kind of weird. Um, But the point is, is that's when you also have the witnesses. What are we trying to say here? God always has a witness. Understand that God always has a witness. So then we enter into the second half of the tribulation. Again, the 144,000 are sealed, the mark of the beast. Antichrist dominates. That's when he totally dominates, politically, religiously, economically. He doesn't in the first half. He does in the second half because Gog and Magog are taken out. You'll see with all the different catastrophic uh, seal judgments and trumpet judgments, whole pieces of this earth are being destroyed. All that's really kind of being left is Israel. Israel and that whole area. I think by that time, America is completely destroyed. Okay? And then the end of the tribulation... Well, you know what? Let's see here. Let's, let's only go and kind of get it right to about the, uh, let's say, uh, right here. on the. So we've gone through about four, four and a half, five years. The, the seal judgments has happened in the first half. We know that the bold judgments happen at the very end of the tribulation. It's the, it goes like this. Seal judgments, trump, trumpet judgment. There's seven seal judgments. Seven trumpet judgments. Seven bold judgments. And I think the... Uh, I think the trumpet judgments happen just about right here, about five years into the tribulation. Okay? Now, the reason I bring that up is that's where we're at in the text. Okay? I said all that, 10 minutes worth, to try to give you a big picture of saying this is where we are. Antichrist is up. He's, he's, he, probably Gog and Magog have already been destroyed supernaturally. Uh, the uh, idols in the temple, he has demanded worship. Of himself and no other. He has put himself as God and no other. And so now, the reason that this is important is you start saying, okay, now I understand. What are the judgments all about? Why is God judging this earth? Because 
Sinners will not stop sinning. (laughs) They will not repent. They will not repent. They will not repent. And so that's where we are in the book of Revelation, and that's where we are, I think, in the timeline of the last seven years, the great, the, the great tribulation, the tribulation uh, that Daniel talks about. So let's go to your outline, and now we're down in Roman numeral two, the seven angels. And again, we, because it was, what is it? Well, let me see here, December, January, February, March. That's three months ago. Because it's three months ago, the last message I preached was in uh, Revelation 8, verses 1 to 5. I think it's worth reading. We need to just read it. Because again, when we left off, like if you go to chapter 6, remember the Lamb, which is Christ, opened one of the seals. Remember, and he was given a scroll, and the scroll had seven seals, and each one of those seals represented a, a judgment. But what we have to realize is those seven seals... You're going to get to this sixth seal, and you'll see this in a moment. And the seventh seal represents all the trumpet and bold judgment contained, okay? So once he breaks the seventh seal, that also contains the trumpet and bold judgments. And once he breaks the, the seventh trumpet is blown, which is a war trumpet, then that, out of that seventh trumpet comes all the bold judgments, so it's rapid fire. And by the way, we know that the bold judgments are at the very, very end of the seven-year tribulation because when you see the intensity, and it keeps saying all, <laughs> all flesh is affected, there's no way that people could survive more than just a few months at that, okay? Okay, so let's go back. Um, let me re- or, well, where am I at? Where am I at? Okay, let's go to chapter 6 for a moment, and you see the seal judgments. First of all, the white horse, verse 2, chapter 6, verse 2. And I looked, and behold, the white horse. See, a seal was broken, and a white horse. And he who sat on it had a bow and a crown and given to him, and he went out to conquer and to conquer. This, this is Antichrist is sitting on the horse, and this is false peace. See, that's at the very beginning. What does he do? He signs a contract or a covenant with, um, with Israel. Antichrist, and there's false peace in the land. Finally, after all these hundreds and hundreds of years, there's a false peace. And then the second seal is found in verses 3 and 4, and that's war. And the third seal is 5 and 6, and that's a black horse, and that's famine. And the fourth seal is 7 and 8, and that's a pale horse. And notice what, and the name of him who sat on it was Death and Hades. And then a fifth seal, and these are the martyrs underneath the altar, crying out, like, how long? How long before you're going to avenge our blood? In chapter, in, in chapter 6, verse 12, is the sixth seal, cosmic uh, disturbances, uh, if you will. Uh, again, a great earthquake. The sun became black. And you're going to see this again, by the way, two other times. And the moon became like blood, and stars of heaven fell. But that's not the final. I do believe that chapter, uh, the sixth seal probably is the start of what people call the day of the Lord. This is when the intensity is wrapped up. Probably by the sixth seal, you've already passed the middle three and a half year period, okay? And then, but, but see, we don't see the seventh seal until a few moments. In fact, chapter 7 is kind of a respite. It's an intermission. I mean, because the very end, the, the last question of verse 17, chapter 6, verse 17 says this, and the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? The idea is this, with such catastrophe happening on the earth, I mean, is like everybody going to be wiped out? God, are you not merciful? Is there not anyone that's going to be saved? 
And so God allows us through the writer John, he's been given this, to say, no, 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 wait a second here. God is the God of mercy. He's the God of grace. He, he's the God that wants to save. He, he wants to bring people to himself. And so he's, we're introduced to the 144,000. But not only that, we're introduced to, the, to, the, um, to those who are saved by the 144,000 ministry. And, and drop down in chapter 7, verse 13, and one of the elders asked, saying, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great, now notice, the great tribulation, that's the last three and a half years, and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne. So, what, so this intermission of chapter 7 is saying this, God always has a witness, that's 144,000, and many, 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 a great multitude will be saved. There will be death and destruction, the earth will be destroyed in the very end, it will be completely destroyed. But even in the midst of all this uh, terror, God is saving people. Isn't that encouraging? God is always saving people. By the way, you always are saved by one path, and that is by believing on Jesus Christ as the only Savior. There's only one gospel, that he is the only Savior, that his death is sufficient for all of our sin. So that's the, that's the interlude, that's the intermission. He, he's answering that question, who can stand? Well, there's a lot of people who are going to be standing. Oh, they'll get killed. But what I'm saying, standing before God? But then look at chapter 8. Now this is where we, and he opened the seventh seal. Do you see what he did? Six, one, two, three, four, five, six in chapter uh, six. Seventh is an intermission, just answering the question. God, are you merciful? What's the resounding answer? Yes. Now the seventh seal is being broken. And there was silence in heaven for about a half hour. Why? <sighs> because they got a glimpse of what was going to happen now. See, we're already here. We're already here. And what they're seeing in the seventh seal is all the trumpet judgments and all the bold judgments. All the, the horror of destruction of both human life and life itself and everything is going to be destroyed. And so we have seven angels, verse 2, who stand before, the, uh, before God and, and to them were given seven trumpets. So we've gone from seal... The seventh seal is open. Now we have the trumpets and another having a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints. So it's the imagery of just like the uh, temple and tabernacle. Uh, hot coals are scooped into the, the, uh, the uh, pan. And what he's going to do is he's going to throw it to the earth. But notice it's mingled with the prayers of the saints. See, they're praying. That, by the way, that's you. That's you. When we are praying for uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So these last judgments of trumpets and judgments of bowls, bowl judgments, are because the saints have prayed. And God answers prayer. God answers prayer. And so they're scooped up. <coughs> then the angel took the censer, verse 5, filled it with... Uh, with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth and there was noises and thunders and lightnings and an earthquake. So the seven angels who had uh, the seven trumpets prepared themselves to, to sound. Now notice, 
throwing that to the earth and, and the earthquake and everything else what, wasn't the seven trumpets. That was the preparation work. That's the carpet bombing before the army goes in, as it were, or however you want to. The point is that that just prepares. Now, they've already gone through death and destruction. A quarter of the population have already been destroyed. That's, that's back in the seal I mean, do you see the ugh, just horror? The horror? So, this is what I want you to get. Could you show me those, that uh, diagram? I really want you to get this, because see, the seal judgments from the seventh, the trumpet judgments, and then from the seventh trumpet comes the bowl judgment. They're sequential. And they get more intensity as you go down. There's greater destruction, greater intensity. By the way, that is the flow of the book of Revelation. I mean, that's why we're drawing this conclusion. That's why I'm drawing this conclusion. Uh, if you want, could you just show me the other one? Um, same thing if you just want these are the seals the seventh seal again encompasses the trumpets and bowls and when the seventh trumpet then the bowl judgments and they are rapid fire right at the very end at the very end of the seventh year uh, seventh year because they're so horrific that human life cannot survive so that's how that plays out and again there's a lot of reasons I could give and I won't we've done it before um but by this point, by the time you get to the end of the sixth trumpet, half of the world's population has been killed. That's how, I mean, we're talking, how many, how many are in the world? Eight billion, is that correct? Seven, so we're talking about 3.5 billion people dying. But again, the focus of the judgment, now, now we move, and, and now the trumpets are going to be raised by each angel, and it's going to be blown, and with the blowing of that trumpet comes a judgment. And the four that we're going to look at today, just for the last few minutes, are all having to do with the earth. Okay, the earth. God is going to specifically judge this earth. I'm talking the physical earth. And you might say, why? Now again, it's not against the people. The last three judgments, trumpet judgments, are against the people. But the first four are against the physical earth. You're going to see the first one is going to be the land, then the ocean, then the rivers, and then the sky. Okay? And you might say, why? Well, let's go to Romans. Just keep your hand in Revelation. Let's go to Romans 1. I think it's here, and we, again, we were preaching on, we looked at this a few months ago. No, a few weeks ago. Two weeks ago, boy, <laughs> when you go on vacation, you lose track of time. It's been just, but like two, three weeks ago, we looked at this. I think th this is why he's going to judge this earth. Now, again, when you judge the earth, people are going to be affected. Look at verse 18, Romans 1, 18. For the wrath of God is revealed. By the way, when it comes to wrath, there's, MacArthur says there's five different types of wrath. There's eternal wrath, that's hell. But then there's eschatological wrath. Now we're going to look at we're looking at that eschatological. In other words, end time wrath, wrath that has to do with how God finally ends this whole earth with judgment. Okay, so we got different wraths, and there's other ones that I won't go into. But the wrath of God is revealed, and it's continually being revealed. Every time you see someone sin or die, excuse me, what does that remind you? Adam. And because of Adam's sin, death was introduced to mankind, right? We see death, we see the wrath of God all around us. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Now catch this. Who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. That's the key. They suppress it. 
Because what may be known about God, again, the true God, is manifest in them. For God has made it, uh, has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, now let's see what he just said. Since the creation of the world, go way back. In the beginning, God, since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. I mean, go out. You should be able to say, you know, a tree will not lead you to Christ, but that general revelation of a tree should tell you some, something about the person who made the tree. The intricacies, the wisdom of a tree. Okay, So again, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as the eternal power and Godhead. When he says eternal power, that's what he did. Godhead is who he is. So that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. By the way, do not ever fall into the trap of Neanderthal man. Remember, Adam was smarter than we are. We're not progressing up, we're declining down. Okay? It was... It was uh, I read in one study, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years before man rejected God the way that we see it today. Okay, We are declining down, degrading down. So in other words, there's, without excuse, what they knew of God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thinking. Their foolish hearts were dark, and professing to be wise, they became fool. Changed the glory of the incorruptible God to an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals. What did he do? What did they do? No, this is not God. This is not God. You know who my God is going to be? Birds, four-footed animals, creeping things. Therefore, God gave them over uh, up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts, catch this, to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever. Amen. So what did it finally end up doing? Worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. Okay, at the end, or actually in the, past the middle point of the tribulation, what's going to happen? God is going to say this. Okay, world, you have sought to worship someone other than me. Now I'm going to show you what I'm going to do to your God. And if you want to get an illustration of that, go back to Egypt. Because every one of the ten plagues in Egypt, were, each plague was specifically against one of their gods. Okay, uh, God is God and no one other. God is on the throne and no one other. And God will not give up his throne for anyone. And so in the end, it's going to be one final, this is your God, but I am going to show you that I am God. So they are, he's going to destroy the idolatry, the idolatry of uh, uh, so many making this world to be. In fact, one author wrote this, people today are very concerned about saving the environment. Fears about depletion of the ozone layer, pollution, the destruction of the rainforest, and global warming are constantly in, in the news. There is a passionate concern to save endangered species, everything from whales to spotted owls to California condors, and a host of lesser-known species, right? Just constant... Con made the creature into the one who's being worshipped. For many, protecting the environment has become far more than a concern for health and safety. It has become an issue of idolatry. As they worship 
Mother Nature by trying to protect and perpetuate the earth. There is no question that fallen man has failed in his responsibility to properly care for God's creation. Let me stop and just say, I understand we are stewards. You know, you should recycle. Recycle your garbage, okay? Recycle your cans. I'm not telling you not to recycle. I remember seeing a picture of uh, one of the streams, one of the major streams up in upper New York, right after the, the, uh, like 50, 60 years after the Industrial Revolution started. It was so filthy, fish couldn't live in it. Okay, we don't want to get there, right? By the way, that's part of esteeming one another. I want to esteem you and my children in such a way that I'm going to try to leave it a little bit better. I get it, I get that, I get it that. But, you know, because I don't want them to have to you know, deal, well, deal with what Flint, Michigan is dealing with water, okay? I'm not going to get political, only to say this. Is there idolatry? Is there idolatry that's floating around in our culture towards the earth? Emphatically, yes. Okay, so let me read the rest of this little article, or paragraph. There's no question that fallen man has failed in his responsibility to properly care for God's creation. But the damage man has done to this earth pales in comparison to what God will one day do to it. The powerful judgments of the future time of tribulation will utterly devastate the earth, causing wholesale, unimaginable destruction of the environment. And he goes on. So again, these four are going to be specifically to the earth, and I believe specifically because man has has said, I reject you, God. This is my God. So let's look at the four trumpets. The four trumpet judgments, the first four. Now again, the sealed judgments happen at the beginning of the tribulation. Probably sealed judgment number six is the crossover point, or number five. By the seventh seal, you're into the last three and a half years. These are going to stretch out for a few years, uh, two, two plus years. And it's not to the very end that the bold judgments happen. So the first, let's look at the first trumpet. Uh, let's see, let me get back to my text so I can, and hopefully you're in Revelation chapter 8, and look at verse 6, okay? We left it with a great earthquake, right? Thunderings and lightnings and, a, and an earthquake. And the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound, and they're, you know, one, and they can go one after another at the appointed time. In verse 7, the first angel sounded, And hail and fire follow, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. So the first judgment is the devastation of the earth, which again, I'm talking about the land, vegetation, crops. Now if you think about hail and fire, that's that's often used of judgments. You see it in the Old Testament, like example, Ezekiel 28, 22. Again, You see it associated with divine judgment. But here, the hail and fire is mingled with blood. That's interesting. What do you mean? So, first of all, what causes the hail and fire? Well, probably the earthquake. The earthquake, and then all of a sudden, lava is released, and then you have volcanoes, and you have a complete destruction. Again, when you have a violent earthquake, a lot of other things are happening. And perhaps being spewed into the atmosphere. Again, worldwide volcanic eruptions that would likely spew enormous amounts of flaming lava into the atmosphere, 
and the atmospheric disturbances could then trigger violent thunderstorms that would produce large hail. You know, do you see how it all works together? I think verse 5 plays right into what is happening when the trumpet is sounded and hail and fire mingled with blood. I liked what um, Henry Morris wrote. He said this, quote, uh, the, the blood su- suggests that the blood may be actual blood or maybe or maybe using descriptive language. The masses of water vapor blown skyward might well condense in the intense updrafts as hailstones. The blood of entrapped men and animals might be mingled with them or possibly showers of liquid water drops might be so contaminated with dust and gases as to appear blood red. So is that blood actual blood? Or is it like when you see, you know, when there's a lot of dirt in the air and the sun is and it's real red, you know? Is it but we don't know, but but we do know that hail and fire, fire and hail, uh, followed with mingled with blood. I, I actually tend to think it's actual blood. Okay, just Total catastrophic. And, and by the way, it says a third. And you'll notice in, in, this, in this particular set of uh, trumpet judgments, there's going to be a third, a third of this, a third of that, a third of that. And, uh, you know, some have said, all right, take the whole globe, and when it happens, there's going to be a third, and it adds up, take the whole globe, and all the pieces together add up to a third. I, don't, I think it's actually of one part of the earth. Because the next thing that happens is probably a meteorite, I think it's a meteorite, the Great Mountain, that hits the water and creates a tsunami. Well, that's going to be localized. That's not going to affect the whole earth. So I think, and and if you start adding up, where could this be? Well, I I realize in the end of the tribulation, Israel's still there. The, The kings of the east come across. Europe is still there. That whole continent is still there. And they come up from the south as well. So what would be a third of this earth... That is not contained there. <laughs> Us. Okay? Now, that's just conjecture. Okay? I'm, I'm, not, I'm just saying, wait, it's a third. Okay? And look at the result, 7b. And a third of the trees were burned up. Now, the grass was burned up, the third of the trees. Again, fruit-bearing trees, all kinds. Of, and all grass was burned up. And you say, but in trumpet number 5, which is in chapter 9, verse 4, it says all the green grass grew. Well, there's time in between. And, and there's two explanations. One, there's time in between this trumpet and the fifth trumpet. But the other explanation is this. Some grass goes dormant. And when it says all grass was burned up, it, it might have been in a dormant stage. So, again, it comes back. Um, but, anyways, the point is, is uh, let me back up. You know, some would look at this text, oh, it doesn't matter what you say, John, this is all allegorical, this is all symbolism. No, no, this is literal. You don't, the farther away that you get from a literal interpretation, the less you're going to know about it. <laughs> I mean, if God is just saying this is just kind of symbolism, then it's really like just throwing the dice and saying everybody's interpretation is right. No, this is literal. And again, these actually, some of them parallels the Egyptian plagues, like this one is like the seventh plague, uh, because in Exodus chapter 9, again, I'm talking Egypt, Exodus 9, the plague was hail and fire, and all the herb and the trees were burned up. That's what happened, God, through Moses, back in Egypt, Egyptian time. Well, here's a repeat, except this time it's not just to one little country, 
This is to a third of the world. You, you want to you worship the world? I will, I will destroy it. By the way, he's the only one that has the right. He's the creator. He can destroy it. So that's the result. And, and just think of the loss, the effect of a third. I mean, the destruction of the crops, the death of animals, the loss of wood for construction, destruction of the watershed. I mean, there's just, it goes on and on. The veg, you know, vegetation is destroyed. Everything is, I mean, in this one part of the world, if it's, especially if it's a localized part, uh, you know, this is a, this is a plague against the world, uh, this part, but again, human life is going to be uh, great human loss. Again, the third of the earth and the trees and all the grass were burned up. So food supplies are going to be cut short. The global economy and is going to be majorly disrupted. And why? Well, again, because man has sought to devalue man and elevate plants and animals, right? In fact, I have this uh, one little... You have to have that. I don't know who she is, but I saw her picture and all. Save the planet, kill yourself. Now, right there, that is devaluing humanity and exalting the earth, right? Right there. So like Romans 1 says, of those who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. Fallen man has made a god of the earth. So that's the first trumpet judgment. So the angel blows. That happens. Let's look at the second one. The next angel gets ready to blow. And the second angel sounded, verse 8. And something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. And a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Now, again, this is a judgment against the sea. We just looked at it against the earth. Now it's against the sea and ships. And I think it's localized because when it says a great mountain, it's a mega mountain. <laughs> you know, what is that mountain? We're not told but, but I want you to hear this. Listen, and something like a great mountain. Uh, like one, one commentator said, it probably uh, maybe would be the size of a small continent. Right? And this mountain doesn't, doesn't disintegrate. Is it a meteorite? Is it a, an asteroid? I, but it comes and it smashes into the ocean. And it stays together. I mean, in other words, the next one we see literally dispersed. But this one smashed into the uh, ocean. Now, when you have something that big smashing into the ocean, it's going to create tidal waves, right? Again, the sea, the ocean uh, uh, is being affected now. And, and you say, well, what, have, what do we get from the ocean? Well, obviously, you know, ships for carrying food across the ocean. Um, food. But the other thing is the ocean is one of the biggest providers of oxygen because of the algae and everything it is producing for us. So, so th this is not just a food supply shortage. Oxygen itself from the, as the phytoplankton, is that, is that correct? That grows and the algae. And again, the other thing that's going to happen is the rain. Because again, you have evaporation that carries across and then it drops as far as uh, precipitation, what are the three things? Evaporation, condensation, and precipitation. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. You know. And then if you can throw in, what are we experiencing right now? 
El Nino? Is that the right? I love it. Don't you love the warm weather? Bring it on. I always tell my wife, global warming, love it. Okay. But anyways, so God has given this, you know, yet man has been ungrateful. God has given the ocean. Man has made it their God. Now God is going to affect the ocean. And they have revered it. Uh, this is the place of the supposed source. It's interesting. Fallen man has also looked at the ocean and said, no, no, God hasn't created us. We came from that. Okay, so he's even affecting that. I'll tell you real quick. Dad used, my father used to, take this off the tape. But anyway, um, my father used, and maybe I've told you this, uh, he used to be a conservationist, and he would go around and make duck ponds, and in order to make duck ponds, uh, you have to use dynamite, and we used to go and dig holes in, in swamps and put dynamite with, uh, well, it used to be uh, fertilizer with uh, diesel fluid, and if you put those together, it's very, and now you can't do it because they've changed the mixture. <laughs> no, yeah, no, you can't, because, but the point is, if you put a, a blasting cap with a quarter stick of dynamite in that, and you sink it down, I mean, poof, I remember one time seeing a, uh, uh, a rock, you know, phew, go through the go through the air, remove all that from the tape. But the point is, is I always thought of, wow, look at the intensity of that, you know, just a quarter stick of dynamite with, you know, 100 pounds of uh, nitrate. Well, the, he used to also take a quarter stick of dynamite and throw it in the pond. When you get too many, like, sucker fish, he wanted to get rid of everything. <laughs> now, the only reason I say that, I am using this as an illustration. There is a purpose to this. <laughs> remove this from the rate, or the... The impact of just that quarter stick would kill all the fish in that small pond. Think about a meteorite. All of a sudden, within just within an hour, you'd see all these fish. It would just be thick with all the different... Uh, what used to be alive, now dead. Okay, Fish floating atop. Okay, enough of my... My earlier illustrations. Okay, what is the result? A third of the ocean became like blood. Well, why? I just told you why. <clears throat> and now, you know, all this, all this life, now dead, just floating, became like blood, or perhaps a reddish tinge, you know, with billions of dead creatures. And then the sun shining through the cloud of the smoke of the asteroid gives the ocean surface a blood-red look. And notice, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Why? When it hits, what's going to happen? Tidal wave. I mean, we've seen this, right? We've seen this. You want to? I, I just got on the web. A couple. We still. Wow. That's a, obviously that's a that is not a real, but that's that's coming. Okay, coming attractions, right? But that is real. You know when. When uh, I think that was, uh, I think that was the one over in uh, Southeast Asia. Tsunami, you know, tidal waves. But again, what's going to happen? Total disruption of global trade, transportation disrupted, human life, human suffering. I mean, if, if that hit, I mean, there's millions of people. Think about all the different cities that are on the coast. And think of a, a 150, 200 foot wave. No, even bigger than that. I mean, there's nothing to even compare it to, Okay. Basically, again, the mountain hits the ocean, 
of death and destruction, both of the ocean, but also those that are on the land. And then I, this, I only said it because, you know, we forget, again, people, people, they're people. You know, anything else? Oh, no, that's not the one. That's a, well, that is the one. That just mass graves. That's from one. But, you know, we forget. I mean, it's people. And that was something of, of an, that was just a river that, and, and yet how many people got swept away in China by that catastrophe. Okay, let's go quickly to number three. The fresh waters of the rivers made bitter. And then the third angel sounded in a great star, a celestial body. We don't know what the great star from, uh, fell from heaven burning like a torch. Again, the great mountain of the second trumpet stayed together. This one didn't. This one dispersed. Because look at verse 10, the second part. And it fell on a third of the rivers and of the springs of water. And the name of the star is Wormwood, and the third of the waters became Wormwood. And basically, bitter, bitter, i.e. poisonous. But it was like a torch. This is like a comet, a comet that has a fiery tail that is dispersing as it comes into the atmosphere, the poison that apparently is in it to all over the place. Not just localized to an ocean, it's to the, the fresh water. See, that was salt water, now this is fresh water. And look at what happens. And many men died from the water because it was made bitter. It killed because it was polluted. It was poisoned. It poisoned the water. Now you can live for a while without food. You can't live very long without water. And that means all the rivers, all the fresh water, the wells, everything is polluted. My grandfather Prince used to always ask, how much is a gallon of water worth? And, and I'd say, well, not much. I can go to the spigot. But he said, what if you were in the desert and there was no water around and you hadn't drank anything for almost a whole day? How much would it be worth? See, it all depends on what you have. So again, now, it's, now this and a third of the rivers and springs are poisoned. So now you know that many men died. And look at the fourth trumpet. <coughs> Verse 12, then the fourth angel sounded and a third of the sun was struck. And a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, and a th- do you get? You keep hearing a, a similar word. Third of them were darkened. Now again, earthquake and volcanoes and asteroids and meteorites, and we. It, it makes sense that the last is going to be the atmosphere. And again, this is reminiscent of the Egyptian plague, and ex- uh, the ninth one in Exodus ten. Okay. Uh, let me see. I've got to close this down. The bottom line is death and destruction. You worshipped someone, something other than me. He judges the earth. He judges the ocean. He judges the fresh water. He judges the sky. He judges man. But, but let, me, let me just throw out this final verse, a couple conclusions, and then we need to... And by the way, this is all focused in on Christ because this is eschological wrath but for those who you who are believers he has taken care of the eternal wrath see he has taken the wrath that belonged to us whether it's the physical on this earth or the eternal that we would have to so this all works towards Christ but look at look at the the next verse 
of the trumpet in verse 13. And I looked and I heard an angel flying through the midst of the heaven saying with a loud voice, loud voice, whoa, 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 to the inhabitants of the earth. Now it's the inhabitants. Because of the remaining blast of the trumpets of the three angels who are about to sound. See, these, the last three are the three woe judgments. The last five, six, seven trumpet. What can we learn? <laughs> what can we learn? Well, I would say this. The first thing is, we live on a disposable planet. And I, and I want you to hear that. Again, be a steward. You know, recycle your plastics. Please don't throw them in front of my house. Or the, it's not even my house, it's a parsonage. I'll have one of the deacons see you. Uh, <laughs> we live on a disposable planet. We need to treat it like such. Now again, be a steward. But in being a steward, worship God and serve others. Because that is not what's happening right now with, with environmentalists. They are worshiping the earth and actually willing to see others die. Kill yourself. Save the planet. So we live on a disposable planet. Number two, God gives a warning before he unleashes the last three trumpets. Do you hear what, he, do you hear what is being said? God is patient. He wants people to repent. He wants people to come to him. He's actually saying, listen, they're coming the trumpet judgments are going to, the last three are going to sound. He's lovingly patient. He doesn't enjoy to see the unrighteous killed. He's actually, it, it was just a third of the earth. He, it could have been the trumpet judgments just wiped everything out. We're done. <laughs> Tribulation done. He get, Sealed judgments, now trumpet judgment, they keep getting intensity. Why? Because he wants to get, the, he wants to get earth's attention. He wants to get our attention. He allows room and time for repentance and salvation. By the way, he allows time for you to repent and turn to Christ. Maybe you're here and you never received Christ. It's a great time, right? We're coming before the table. Maybe you just come to church, you're religious. What is this Jesus thing? Jesus Christ came and died and he endured the wrath that was meant for us. Our sins were placed on Him. And if you turn from your sin and turn to Him, He will forgive you. He will bring you into His family. But we have to believe that He not only died, He was buried, He was resurrected, He is now at the right hand of the Father. He is living, He is coming back. He is the only Savior. Have you ever done that? How about number three? The wrath of God softens some... Remember we just read about those under the altar? Softens some, but hardens many. If you go over to chapter 9, it talks about, and they will not repent. Think about that. Loss of everything. They still will not turn. They just shake their fist and they will not repent. And yet, you know, as a believer, and I've been in this situation even of recent, sometimes we sin... And even going up to the sin, we determine, I am going to sin. And God knocks, and he knocks, and he chastens, and we still sin. It says that we should examine ourselves. Please, don't partake in the table 
unless you have judged your sin. Because if you don't, what does he say? Some are weak, some are sick, even some sleep. God will judge sin, even of believers. Thankfully, it's not for eternal damnation if you're a believer. But he does judge sin. So again, truth should soften us, not harden us. And really, that's, that's what I have to say. I want, does truth soften you? And is your heart soft to the Lord? And as we come together right now, and ushers can come forward, could it be said of you, yes, I have received Christ as my Lord and Savior. I am seeking to follow Him, not perfect, and I do falter, and I do fail, and I do sin. But when I do, I repent, and I turn to Him, and He is gracious and uh, merciful, and He forgives, and I am walking with Him right now. Because when we partake, that's what we're confessing. That we are one of His, that we are walking with Him, and as Charlie said in ABF, and we are walking with one another. We are walking with one another. So there is no outstanding sin. Uh, I, if I said, how many of you are sinners? You'd say, yes. But how many of you re- are repented and walking before God in obedience? I trust that you would all say yes. So that's what we are confessing right here. And that's why it is so critical, so very, very critical that we are walking with them. So if you bow your heads, prepare your hearts, and then we are partaking together. Father, again, we thank you for showing us a glimpse of your wrath that you have, will have on this earth. Because we know that the, the greatest wrath that you have was the wrath that you poured out on your son for sin. And we just want to thank you for the fact that as believers, that we will never have to face your wrath. Father, we ask that you would prepare our hearts by your Spirit so that we would partake in a worthy manner. Help us to come to this table in a very sober manner, not nonchalant. Lord, give us wisdom. And if there's a question whether or not we ought May we make a decision of whether we do or don't based on what your word says. So we ask now that we would be able to partake together. And this would glorify you. And it would also be a blessing to each one of us as we confess publicly that we are walking with you. In Jesus' name, amen. It says in scripture, I receive from the Lord that which I also deliver to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread.